Praise the Lord. I have a rare treat today to be able to continue this series on games. And uh, we're getting ready to do the game Family Feud. Amen? Show that video for us. All right, guys, here we go. We've got the top six answers on the board. Name something that gets passed around. Chris. A joint. A joint? I don't know what hundred people you thought we were talking to at some nice little mall across good old America, but I'm pretty sure the people didn't tell the survey people, hey, an illegal drug. <laughs> Let's turn around and see how many weed heads are out there with Chris. A joint! is when you know we're going to hell. Okay, Tracy, only four answers topic, so. The collection played at church. Now she's got the halo and I got the horns. <laughs> I like, I like the way you tried to stop us from going to hell. You, mister, you evil boy, passing, passing around the little thing with this funny smell. Looking for some saving here. Church place. It's, it's less than the joint. This is not good. I'm just going to, you just go over there. They're going to play this. Yes, we are. <laughs> Isn't it sad that passing a joint is more popular than passing the collection plate? Now, my question for you in this matter of family feud, are you wearing the horns? Or are you carrying the halo? Are you angelic? Family feuds, family conflicts, personal feuds, personal conflicts. What are you passing around? Just want that to sink in, to settle in just a little bit. What are you passing around? The world's nonsense? Or that which represents God's amazing grace. I think that we can all agree that this world is filled with conflict. And sadly, many times in our relationships, in our families, in our circumstances, our life events, there are what we call family feuds. And the Bible is rich in history of family feuds, isn't it? Remember the feud that happened because of Cain and Abel, which were brothers. And the result of that family feud where there was a lack of self-control, Cain murdered his brother. With Jacob and Esau, another family feud where there was deceit and treachery and birthrights and, and promises, uh, Fair factors, and we see Jacob on the run because of family feud. We can speak of Joseph and his ten brothers, and ten brothers that hated uh, Joseph Reno because God gave Joseph something that they did not understand. They were jealous of him. They were envy of him. Uh, Dr. Charles, they hated Joseph to the point that they wanted to murder him. They ended up taking and throwing him in a pit and selling him to the Ishmaelites who hauled Joseph down to Egypt. And we know the rest of the story. 
We see the story of Samson and his betrothed, uh, the dear wife that he was engaged to, and his best friend steals his wife. That's what I call a family conflict, amen? Amen. We see the story of, in the New Testament of the prodigal son who had the spirit of demand and the brother that was faithful. And then when the prodigal son was restored to the home, the older brother's attitude was stinky, hateful. And there was conflict. We see and we know of the story of Job, Jerry, when he was afflicted, how his wife was so encouraging and said to him, Hubby, why don't you just curse God and die? How would you like to have a wife like that? A spouse like that. We see also the story of Abigail and Nabal. Abigail, who was a righteous woman, and Nabal, who was a drunk. How I many know oh, that's a problem? We see David and his wife, uh, uh, Michael, David, who worshiped the Lord and danced before the Lord with all of his might, and the wife who should have been a worshiper with him was in her window despising her husband. They are on a different page spiritually. How many of you know that's a breeding ground for conflict? There's example after example after example in the Word of God of conflict in the Bible and family feuds. How many of you ever read the book of Hosea? Well, Hosea married Gomer, and Gomer was an unfaithful wife. She whored herself out to other men, had babies that were not his children that he took care of. How many of you know that's a problem? My question to you today as we look into God's word is this. Are you engaged in the game of family feuds? Father, in the name of Jesus, as we look into your word today, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and, and open our minds, Lord, to not only the reality of family and personal conflicts, but Lord, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to address the problems of life. Lead us through your truth. Your word is truth. In the name of Jesus, and everyone would say, Amen. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17 this morning. A familiar portion of scripture, Pastor shared this just a few weeks back, but it's so appropriate in dealing with this matter of family feuds or, or family conflicts and these issues here. Uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, and verse 1, he said unto his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses can come, but woe to him from whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and that he were thrown into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother offends you, rebuke him. And if, say if, he repents, forgive him. Forgive him. This word in the Greek for offenses is scandal on it literally means a trap stick or snare or the part of the trap that the bait is attached to it is the cause of displeasure or discomfort or as it says an occasion to fail it is the thing that offends say offends what bugs you about that person that is nearest to you? I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just, maybe I need to. I don't know. What is that thing, that item that Satan would bait you with? Now, I have a visual illustration here that I've used many times on Wednesday nights, and I usually use this in my counseling. 
And everybody see what this is? Okay. And I have on here a dove chocolate morsel. How many of you love dove chocolate? I mean, it's, I have a weakness for those things. Do you love them, brother? We're going to find out. And I want you to understand that the enemy of our soul knows how to bait us, doesn't he? Do you ever think about the, the, the little morsel in life that the enemy likes to use to draw you into his trap? That trap relationally, that trap maritally, that, that, that conflict item that the enemy uh, just kind of sucks you into. And, and it looks so delicious, Nikki. It looks so enjoyable. And, and here's the problem. Here's the problem. We see the morsel. We see the life's issue, but we don't see the trap. Now, you said you like the chocolate, don't you? Thank you for your enthusiasm. No! Everybody see that in the balcony? Anybody up there in the balcony want to come down and get this chocolate? I give it to you for free. See, that's what the devil tells you. I'll give you this sweet occasion of the flesh. I'll give you this moment in time. I'll let you have and express your opinion. I'll let you uh, enjoy this sweet morsel that will bring bitterness to your soul and unforgiveness in your spirit. I'll let you taste and see. Taste and see. Friends, the trap is real. And there are so many of us that are victims because we see the bait but we don't see the trap. Say trap. Amen. Amen. How does Satan bait you? How does Satan bait your family members, your loved ones? Or perhaps that co-worker or that neighbor that there seems to be a, a feuding issue with. Part one here, write down types of conflict. Types of conflict. I want us to think today about the various types of conflicts or feuds that, that we will be enticed by, by the adversary. Number one, I would say, would be sibling rivalry. I remember when David and Rachel were in the back seat of the car, they, they always had a hard time figuring out how I knew what they were doing. It's because I had a rear view mirror. I could see everything going on in the back seat, and they'd be picking on each other. They'd be agitating each other. That sibling rivalry we would be going on. How many of you know what sibling rivalry is all about? Cain and Abel knew about it. Jacob and Esau knew all about it. Some of you may know all about it also. My father had a pair of uncles that lived up north that both had big farms up by Anaway. And they were in constant rivalry with each other. Who had the bigger farm? Whose cattle gave up the greatest amounts and volumes of, uh, of milk? Who had the biggest strawberry fields? Uncle Jack did, and they were delicious. Praise the Lord. But the sibling rivalry was so inheated that they, they would not even speak to each other after a time. And they both went to their graves without ever speaking to one another again. How many of you know that's sad? Amen. Sibling rivalry. Number two, marital conflicts. Isn't it sad that in the, the church, that the church is par with the world in this matter of family feuds? That in the church, people are in join 
war zones and battlegrounds in their own homes. That even in the church, kids have to hide under the beds because everything is flying. It's sad that there is marital conflict. It should not be in the family of God. Should you say amen? Amen. I was doing an altar call at the edge of eternity with over 100 people in the chapel that were filling out altar cards after we did edge of eternity, and I got a phone call from a woman. Nikki, she was calling me from inside the closet. Her cry was, come and save me from this man. The little kids were hiding under the beds. And by the time I got there, we had to call the police to intervene because of rage and anger and family conflict. I'm just sharing a reality with you, church. These things should not be. Number three, write down betrayal. Betrayal. Those that once said I do, say I won't. And there is unfaithfulness. There is treachery in the relationship. And there is abandonment. My heart breaks so often as I counsel with these that are the victims of those who have been betrayed because of an unfaithful spouse, an uncommitted spouse, an unrighteous man or woman of God that chooses to go the other way. Fourthly, being unevenly yoked spiritually. I love it. When I look out and I see a husband and a wife worshiping God together. Can you say amen? Can we show our appreciation? Amen. You see, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. We made the decision when we first were married to be found faithful to God's house, to be found faithful to tithe, and to be faithful, found faithful to be engaged in ministry together. And I'll tell you what, when you are evenly yoked spiritually, it removes many hurtful snares and potential conflicts in your marital relationship. You stray two to God together, couples that pray together, stay together in the name of Jesus. I'm just telling you, it works. This year we'll be celebrating 43 years. And I want to praise the Lord because God is faithful to those who are equally yoked spiritually. We see the tragedy in the scripture of the the story of David and Michael. And I believe because of that fractured relationship spiritually, it it baited David for an, an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba that closely followed. If Michael had been the wife to David spiritually that he needed, I don't believe that the affair with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah the Hittite would have ever taken place. But when you are unevenly yoked spiritually, be aware that there are snares, there is temptations that are on the horizon of life. Number five. Discouragement and desperation. Discouragement and desperation. I already spoke of Job and his wife. So many times in our family conflicts, it it revolves because there isn't encouragement. There isn't edification and exhortation from one spouse to another or from a parent to a child or from a child to a parent. And we need to be encouragers. I remember many years ago, I had a a high school student in one of my classes that was, he was just a troublemaker, disrupting the class, 
causing problems every week, trying to teach the word of God. And this guy, just an adjective, it was driving me crazy. I had to have a meeting with Pastor Chris. He was a youth pastor at that time and with the parents, with the child after the class, after the service. The boy arrived and sat there. Body language is communication, can't you tell? And I was there, we are waiting for the parent, and when his father came in the door, this is what the father said, J.D. He said, you've been trouble to me ever since you were born, quote, unquote. And the boy went just like this, as if to say, here we go again. You see, the problem wasn't the boy. The problem was the toxic tongue and the toxic attitude of the father that never encouraged a son, but discouraged him. This leads us to number six, toxic communication. Toxic communication. How do you speak to those who are closest to you. What words do they hear coming out of your mouth? The book of Proverbs tells us, it's on your sheet, that death and life are in the power of the... The power of the what? You are what you speak. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, and verse 36, I say unto you that for every idle word that men shall speak, they will give an account of on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Friends, that's why I'm very careful with my words. That's why I'm always careful to share words of edification and exhortation to my, my dear one, my loved ones. I'm very careful on how I speak with people because I know someday I'm going to face the one on the throne of judgment that I'm going to be accountable to. There are not going to be any Sam Bernsteins or Jeffrey Figers there to do a spin on the day of judgment. It's going to be you and the Lord and you will give an account of your words. People speak a lot of nonsense at each other. I'm just telling, I hear it all the time. And I wonder, haven't they ever read the Bible? Have they never read that death and life are in the power of the tongue? Have they not read the words of Jesus that where he said you're going to give an account of what you say? Friends, we need to have an awareness and we need to actively pursue speaking righteously to one another. Amen. And honoring God in both word and in deed in our encouragement to one another. Part number two, family feuds. The root of conflict. Now this is, this is really kind of funny here. But write down silly things. Ken, I, I never cease to be amazed at some of the, the silly things that causes family conflicts, relational conflicts in life. I mean, just silly things. Even Jesus said it's the little foxes that spoil the grapes because it's the little things, the silly things, Rod, that eat away at the root of the vine and it destroys the vine of relationships. Years ago, years ago, years ago, before I came here, there was a couple that came to me that was having a family feud. Both of them were graduates of a, a Big Ten university, not one here in Michigan, praise the Lord. Lived in a very nice colonial home in Birmingham, Michigan, very successful, the appearance of great success, beautiful family. But they came to me one day and they had conflict. They had a feud going on. 
And here was the feud. He would not put his dirty clothes down the clothes chute that would drop down into the laundry room so that his wife could do the laundry. Ryan, he would take his dirty clothes and hang them on the post of the bed. Now, Nancy, I don't know why, but she had a problem with that. And he dug his in, in his stubborn heels, and Jerry said, I'm going to do what I want to do. She says, I cannot stand to see your stuff hanging. When I, and it was, it was heated. Silly things. Say silly. I sat down with this couple. I said, dear sir, if you love your wife, put your stuff down the chute. Put your stuff down the chute. Repeat my words. Put your stuff down the chute. Put your stuff down the chute. He woke up. There was peace. Got any silly stuff? Got any silly stuff up there in the balcony? Put it down the chute. Get rid of the nonsense. Cast the nonsense aside. Get the nonsense out of sight, and the nonsense will be out of mind. Can you say amen? Out of sight, out of mind. Don't be out of your mind because of silly things. Number two, unrealistic expectations. Rod, what would you do if your bride told you, well, get ready. I can pick on Rod because he's my buddy. You can only start the dishwasher when I tell you to. There's some, there's some people that got some OCD issues. I'm just going to tell you, and it's nonsense. You can only do this when I dictate that you do this. Or you can only do that when I dictate that you can do that. You can only do what needs to be done as you follow my agenda. Hello, how many of you know that kid's going to cause a family feud? I know it would in my house. That kind of nonsense does not happen in my house. Family feuds. Unrealistic expectations has been the cause of many broken heart and breakdowns in communication because it is just wrong. Friends, marriage is negotiations, not dictations. Can I see that again? Marriage is negotiation, not dictation. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. Oh, I better get over here where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Number three, poor problem-solving skills. You know, one of the biggest problems with people is, Jerry, they attack each other instead of identifying the problem and attacking the problem. Instead of attacking the dirty clothes, they attack each other. If we will step back and reanalyze ourselves and realize that the enemy has baited us and played us as a fool and we are victims of attacking each other and instead of really analyzing and attacking the problem and then fixing the problem, we, we, well, we'd be far ahead. Amen. Yes. 
we attack each other. Homes become war zones. Living spaces become battlegrounds. Friends, children should never have to hide under the bed. And none of us pastors should have to get desperate phone calls in the middle of the night because of nonsense. Number four, poor communication skills. A very important truth for you all to understand that in our relationships with one another, that communication is dialogue, not monologue. Bruce, what would happen in your life if Diane did all the speaking and you never spoke a word? You don't have to answer. (laughs) What would happen? What would happen? Jim, if you were the only one doing the speaking and Sue was never given an opportunity to share her viewpoint, what would happen? Yeah, you're shaking your head for a reason. You see, friends, in communication, there is dialogue. It's Rod sharing his heart, and, and, and she's sharing his heart. There's communication. It, yes, there's that mutual respect. You may not always agree, Dr. Charles, but you know what? You choose to disagree agreeably. You don't attack each other. You step back and analyze each one's opinion, and then you sort through it. It's not that difficult. Friends, you can unlearn bad habits and you can learn good habits. Can you say amen? Amen. We don't have to have family feuds if we just choose to do what's right. And a lot of it goes down to our communication skills. Number five, number five, write it down. This is what I call the castle. The castle is a stronghold of retreat. Nancy, it's one you're trying to communicate. And that, 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 that one that you're trying to communicate runs in their castle, goes into the silent treatment, and closes the door. How many of you know you can't communicate with somebody that goes in their castle? You can't problem solve with somebody that has locked themselves up in their stronghold. It's hard to work peace when somebody is hiding behind their walls. And you can't talk with each other. You can't pray with one another. You can't negotiate with each other. When somebody is in their castle, you got a problem. So many times in conflict resolution, we identify that there are castle walls. And we understand, too, that walls don't go up overnight and they don't come down overnight unless you do a Jericho march. The important thing is for those walls to come down and then you open up the breach so that there can be mutual respect. There is communication and the stronghold becomes something that is not effect anymore. Many times this castle is strong because people are too proud to admit that they have a problem. They're too proud to admit that they have responsibility. They're too proud to acknowledge that they have accountability to the solution. That's why many times they go rod to the blame game. And instead of confronting themselves, they start throwing the salvos over their walls of the blame game. It's your fault. It's your fault. You should have. And you should have. And instead of, I should have. My Bible says pride comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Number six, missing love. Proverbs 30 and verse 21 says, Under three things the earth quakes or trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. A servant who becomes a king, a 
fool who was full of food, and get this, get this, get this, an unloved woman who is married. An unloved woman when she is married. Scripture says that's one thing, Prince, that causes the earth to tremble or to quake violently. When a wife is not loved the way that she's supposed to be loved, that's a breeding ground for family feuds. Can you say amen? Sir, when you do not love that wife the way the Bible says you are to love them, three times in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands love your wives, husbands love your wives, husbands love your lives, she will feel rejected, she will retaliate, she will fall into resentment and rebellion because her love tank is empty. Men, it's our responsibility to be the initiators of love, to be imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to love them just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, and to be the sources of inspiration into our sweethearts' lives, not the source of discouragement in their lives. There should be no unloved wives in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number seven. It's getting hot in here. I don't know why. I love it. I love it. Unforgiveness or the root of bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Looking carefully. Looking carefully. Looking carefully. Ever look carefully for something? When I was a child, I locked myself up in a pair of 1800 handcuffs. My dad was looking carefully for the key that he could not find because there was no key. I made a key with a paper clip. <laughs> hey, I let him look, I let him look, I let him look. And then when he got, I can't find the key, where's the key? I said, there is no key. He got mad at me, I don't know why. <laughs> then I showed him the paper clip. I'll tell you the rest of the story another time. <laughs> Looking diligently, lest any of you fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, say root. root. I told Mike Blust earlier, that I got a battle with these dandelions that are springing up in my lawn. I've been not going out there and spraying them with the stuff because I know the stuff kills the dandelions. But sometimes, Reno, I'm just not patient enough to let the stuff do its work. We're the same way, aren't we? When we're dealing with some of the, the dandelions of love and, and, and we spray it with the grace of God and the word of God and the mercies of God, and it, it takes time for that stuff to work on life's roots. But I learned with dandelions, I've got a dandelion digger. I, I know that if I don't dare and get the root, I just take the top off the dandelion. Guess what's going to happen to the dandelion? It's going to come right back up, isn't it? Amen. And it's the same thing with the roots of bitterness. Friends, if you don't dig out the root, if you don't allow the word of God to get to the root and get out the poison and to get out the nonsense and to get out the silliness and do I dare say it, get out the sin, the thing's going to continue to grow and to morph and in stranglehold your Christianity. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causing trouble. And by this, get a hold of this, many become defiled. You must understand that the writer here is talking to church folk, not the people in the world. He's talking to people like y'all. Looking diligently. Lest any root of bitterness springing up. It causes you to be defiled. Causes you to fail the grace of God. You know what that means? You miss out. You miss out. And God's amazing grace. How many of you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? How, let me see your hands. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. 
Doesn't it say in the balcony, there's a few of you that pray, yeah, I see, I see. Doesn't it say in there, forgive us our debts as we forgive our, let's say that again, forgive us our, as we forgive our, understand that grace is contingent upon grace. Somewhere it is written, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Amen? Amen. Got to go to part three. Got to go to part three. Are you ready? 2 Timothy 2.24 And a servant of the Lord must not, be, must not quarrel or be argumentative, but be gentle to all. I like gentleness. Able to teach and be patient. Well, that's hard, isn't it? Hard to be patient. I want it now. I want satisfaction now. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, verse number 26, and that they may come to their senses did you hear that? That they may come to their senses. How many people have not come to their senses yet and become peacemakers? Their homes are war zones. Their families are battlegrounds because they have not yet come to their senses. Even the prodigal son, when he hit bottom, came to his senses and came home to the Father. Amen. Why can't we come to our senses and simply do what God wants us to do. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Did you hear that? The snare of the devil. We went up to David Ann's one time when he was youth pastoring up in Midland and uh, have a family visit. I, we love family times. Everybody love family times? Oh, yeah. Well, Ann, Frank, where you at? Ann had saw a mouse and put traps all over down in the laundry room down in the basement. I didn't know that. So I went down there to throw some stuff in the laundry. I never turned the light on, and my toe went right in that trap. And I don't know why, but they all laughed. Remember that, honey? It wasn't funny to me. But I found the trap. What's your trap? What is that, that item that the enemy is trying to snap your life, your relationship, your family with? Can't you come to your senses? Can't you identify what that thing is and not be taken captive anymore by the wiles of the evil one? Number one, write it down. Understand that you are the Lord's servant. Who do you belong to? Let me say that on this side of the church. Who do you belong to? We sing the chorus every once in a while. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Is he? See, a lot of this problem we have in this area of family feud is the fact that we may sing well that he is Lord, but in reality, we bring forth evidence that demands a verdict. Amen. 
Friends, if Jesus is Lord, then you are a good steward or a manager of life's gifts, which embraces your loved ones and your family members, those within the sphere of your influence. If Jesus is Lord, you understand that you are accountable. Say accountable. Accountable. Someday you're going to give an account for this. And she's smiling. I wish you could see the smile. And I, th I think, I, if I was a gambling man, and, and I'm not, because I live by faith, the Lord's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And she says, thank you, Jesus, too. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes, we know that we're accountable. We know, according to this verse here, that we must not be quarrelsome. Say quarrelsome. What does that quarrelsome, what does that word mean to you? It means to be argumentative, to, 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 to be a problem person, to, to, to imbibe a conflict and, and, and to not be a peacemaker, to be, to be everything that is opposite of what the Word of God instructs us to be. We are to walk in humility, correct, and at times confront the area. We attack the problem, not the person, and we live in truth. This is the truth. And the Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will set you free from sin. It will set you free from family feuds. It will set you free from personal conflicts. Church, this book will set you free. I said it will set you free. Number two, write down, be motivated by love. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Isn't it wonderful to be loved? Yes, it is. Can you hear her enthusiasm? Yes. Beloved, let us love one another. Oh, yes. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not love, for God is Love. Everything about this, friends, is about this love thing because God is love. The two great commandments, you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. It's love. And you shall love your neighbor as your closest neighbor. Who's closest to you right now? It's Nancy. It's Chuck. You can get a little closer. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Teresa, it's Leon. <laughs> Prince, it's Star. Yes. Amen. Oh, yes. Sam, it's Sarah. Frank, it's Idy. If those within the sphere of your influence, Nikki, it's Sis. It's those children at times when that two-year-old is a stinker. You don't stop loving them, do you? Does God stop loving us when we're a stinker? Amen? That'll preach. We're motivated to do what is right because we're motivated by love. Three principles for living I want to give you here. It's from my life scripture in Micah 6, 8. Number one, do what is right? Do justly. He has shown you, O oh man, what the Lord has required of you to do justly. Simply do, friends, what is right. Do what the Bible says. Live by the book. If you live by the book, it'll take care of the family feuds. Just do it. Number two, love mercy. Somewhere it is written, Jerry, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But Pastor Hal, you don't know what she said to me. Pastor Hal, you don't know what he did to me. But, 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 you know, the enemy can fill your mind with all kinds of reasons, all kinds of logic, all kinds of, all kinds of, all kinds of stinking thinking. Can you say Amen. You don't understand. I don't need to understand. He does. 
You know what I do when, when I think, J.D., uh, when, I, when I think that I've been done dirty, when I feel like, like I have been really been shammed and I've been taken advantage of, and, and when I think, uh, Frank, that I have a reason to have an attitude, you know what I do? I look to the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross, when I reflect upon what they did to Jesus, how they scourged him, how they spat upon him, how they plucked his beard, how they lied about him, how they placed that crown of thorns into his brow, how they mocked him and ridiculed him and made hamburger out of him and then led him up that hill of sorrows and nailed him to an old rugged cross and suspended him up between heaven and earth. When I survey the cross and I hear the words of Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It strips away my excuses, church. It strips away my logic and my rationale. It strips it all the way when I look to Jesus. No wonder it says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. All you got to do is survey the wondrous cross. It will melt away all of your excuses. And you will become a mercy shower. And the third part here is walk humbly with your God. That means walk, practice his presence daily. Not weekly, W-E-A-K-L-Y. That means just not practicing his presence on Sunday mornings when you come to church. I'm talking about walking with him on a daily basis. Walking humbly before the Lord and applying your heart to understanding. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, no other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet that all of the jackals hush their singing. Notice I said jackals. Because there's a lot of jackals out there. They would try to whisper in your, your ear that you have a right to be bitter. You have a reason to be angry. You, you, you. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Do what's right. Be a mercy shower. Even if they don't deserve it. And walk humbly with your God. You can't go wrong, church. You can't go wrong. Most feuding families have family foundations that are faulty. That brings us to the next point, number five. Follow the counsel of God's word. Amen. Wrong one. There you go. I missed one, didn't I? I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that one. Number five. Psalm seventy-three twenty-four says this. You lead me with your counsel. Get a hold of this. This is good. This is out of the Bible. Amen. You lead me with your counsel. And afterwards, you take me to glory. That'll preach. Are you following the counsel of God's word? His word is his counsel. Yes. That still small voice of the Holy Spirit, it is his counsel. Oh, yes. And you know what else I've learned? His counsel comes out of the beloved. I know it might be hard to believe, but God can even speak out of Rod. God can speak out of Sam and Frank and George and Dave and Dale. God can speak through a prince. God can speak through you. The question is, are you listening? He's promised to lead us with his counsel. And then when this life journey's over, he takes us to glory. Isn't that marvelous? I mean, that's shouting material. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go up to four. Learn good problem-solving skills. Don't attack each other. Attack the problem. Conflict resolution begins with you. Not them. Determine to be a peacemaker. Determine to diffuse nonsense. Amen. 
determined to express the love of Christ, determined to express mercy and grace, and if necessary, get help. Don't let your pride handicap you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and get help, and the Lord will lift you up. Number six, number six, live forward. Going to number six, live forward. Philippians 3.13, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind me and reaching forward toward those things which are ahead. Friends, don't live in the past. We can't change the past. We can't change history. I like what Paul said here. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, who was once Saul the persecutor, could not undo his mistakes, could not undo the lives that had been impacted by his foolishness, his error. Paul did not allow the past become an anchor or a snare unto him. He said, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind me. It's under the blood. Can you say amen? amen. And you live forward. Yes. We can't change some of the things that have been done to us. Amen. But we can choose to forgive and to forget and to live forward forward and can I give you a bigger secret you have to forgive yourself if God can forgive you you do yourself an injustice if you do not forgive yourself live forward Bible says if anyone's in Christ he's a new creature the old things have passed away and all has become new live in the new don't live in the old. Thank you, Jesus. In conclusion today, Thank you, Jesus. are you living today in the midst of personal conflict? Maybe you have a personal feud within yourself. Some things and some tentacles in life that you've just not been able to shake. It's time today to let go and to let God. Amen. Perhaps you're here today and there's conflict with someone that you're in relationship with. Could be a sibling. Could be a spouse. Could be a son. It could be a daughter. It could be a parent. It could be anything or anyone. But if you're here today and you're suffering from personal conflict, I want you to know that there's freedom in the name of Jesus. And today, we're going to choose to experience release and to be set free because that is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning thee. Close your eyes. Sing this song with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Lift your hands. I need thee. Oh, come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Oh, come in thy strength and thy power. Oh, come in thine own spirit. 
sing it again by faith and in prayer. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Oh, come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Thy strength and thy mercies, oh, come in thine own special way. You see, many times when I sing these songs with heart, I sing it with the words that applies to my life. I know the Lord is wanting to set some captives free today. I know that the Lord wants to bring healing to relationships today and to life's issues today. That's what the church is all about. The church is a hospital. The church is a healing center. The church is a place where His presence is. And He is still Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who is our healer. And I don't know what it is that you need healing from today. But I believe that today is the day that you cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Hal, I'm here today and I have some issues. I have some cares and I have some snares that I need to give to the Master. I have some things that I need deliverance from in the name of Jesus. Friends, it may be sin. Friends, it may be habits and hang-ups. It may be, it may be pride. Whatever it is, I want you to know there's healing in the name of Jesus. It may be family conflict that needs healing whatever it is I want you to know that his presence is present to touch you right where you are right now while every head is bowed and every eye is closed you're here and you want prayer I want you to just lift up your hand and say listen I need prayer thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. It's time to give it to Jesus. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Hands are still going up. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Hallelujah. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I lift up my cup to you. Lift up your cup. And Lord, I ask you to fill my cup with your amazing grace and your tender mercies and your forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for my trespasses for my foolishness for my selfishness and Lord I choose to forgive others who have trespassed against me today Lord I call upon your name the name of Jesus to set me free from my personal conflict and to rise above in healing power and deliverance in the name of Jesus. Lord, set me free so that I may worship Thee in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing I have learned that the attitude of gratitude 
is powerful and effective. What I'd like us to do, I'd like us to stand. And especially those that raised your hands, I want you to come down to this altar and I want us to stand before the Lord and just worship Him and to embrace His presence and to give Him thanks for what He's done in our hearts and lives today through His Word. If you have to go, God bless you, but we're going to worship God and we're going to embrace His presence and we're going to worship Him in spirit and truth. We're going to seal the deal by giving the glory unto his name in the name of Jesus. Lead us in a worship song. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come if you will. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord.